Welcome to System Mastery, the pod dome where two of us enter and then neither of us ever actually leaves. We stay there well after the host has started dropping lots of hints that we shouldn't be there anymore. It turns out he doesn't want help cleaning up. Anyway, today we're reviewing Dream Park, a role-playing game that's about an old book series where a dystopian future leads to super high-tech games. Uh, Well, anyway, it's about that for like the first 20 pages or so. So let's make some System Mastery. And welcome back. It's System Mastery. I'm Jeff. That's my co-host, John, right there. John, say hello to the fine folks at home. Oh, my goodness. Hello, you fine folks. Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful to be here. I know. It's great to be in my dingy bedroom. I know. I like to get into every episode like it's my first time here, and I'm just excited to be a guest. <laughs> every episode is jo- John's casting porno episode. <laughs> Wait, you need me to take my shirt off for this role? Oh, yes, quite a bit. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying you have to, but it'd be pretty cool if you did. I'm just saying that everyone else who came in here for the part definitely took off their shirt and then gave me a sloppy (laughs) blowjob. Oh, well, I only give professional blowjobs. Oh, well. (laughs) It's too bad that this is a real movie announcement and not a porno that we're filming. (laughs) I'll go ahead and keep your head shot in case we need you, and thank you so much for coming in. All right, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, John, we're reviewing Dream Park today. Ooh, Dream Park. Now, this has been one that has been on my list of ones I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah? Uh, I didn't know anything about the mechanics of it, but I did know about the setting, and I never read them, but I knew about the books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this is going to be great, because the... I mean, we can get into the general idea of it. In yeah, that. sure. I mean, you, you can talk as much as you want. I'm, I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I'm gonna let you talk as much as I mm-hmm. want. Oh boy, howdy! <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. And if you talk as much as you want, there's half a crown in it for you. <laughs> <laughs> the spirits did it all in one night. I don't know why we do so much. <laughs> <laughs> we go to that. What day is it? Well, a lot. It's like the best well. <laughs> But no, the whole idea behind Dream Park is it was a uh, couple of novels from Larry Niven. Yeah, and a guy named Steve Barnes. And a guy named Steve. A guy named Bucky Barnes was the other... Buckle Barnes. (laughs) Uh, But this is a future sort of dystopia, the U.S. on the decline, Mm -hmm. but we have some giant, like hundreds of kilometers in radius theme park Mm -hmm. that has like pizza pie slice sections of it of various themes it's basically like final fantasy sevens midgar but the whole thing is an amusement park yeah Uh, and so uh you've got a whole bunch of places like this is the haunted horror theme and this is the like arabian nights one (laughs) this is the (laughs) gulliver's travels Travels. yeah the one thing the one thing that they seem to have Apparently, in this dystopic future of the United States, a lot of people developed extreme hunger for theme parks that are themed around, uh, you know, open license stuff. Oh, yeah. Like just, just old stuff. Like, there's a Sherlock Holmes area. There's a, there's a Gulliver's Travels area. They're like, what what can we get into without paying for? Great. <laughs> I know we're spending 
billions of dollars making a giant hundreds of kilometers wide you couldn't spring amusement like, park with high tech everything. You couldn't spring the extra fifty bucks to get the rights to lo- like Bugs Bunny or something. <laughs> not even a Snoopy in here. Come on, <laughs> Snoopy's not not that expensive. That insurance agency has him. <laughs> Can we have a theme park with the general? <laughs> Yeah, the whole theme park is based around, like, Aaron insurance. It's just a oh, bunch yeah. of insurance daytime commercial people. Just a bunch of car insurance shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, so it's a dystopic future where the future is one giant, very complicated amusement park, but ultimately that's not really what the RPG's about. Well, no, because the books as well aren't really about the park so much as they have these two giant domes in the park where i am also all about giant domes i don't know in if, the uh, park oh yeah in the park uh, that's yeah. one of my favorite places to. Explain. and one is a little bit smaller than the that's other that's correct yeah that's that's just <laughs> nature buddy yeah mm-hmm. uh but in these domed areas they put on stately is, pleasures <laughs> well what is essentially the most high-tech larp the world has ever seen <laughs> yeah. yeah uh <laughs> so you can go in there and they've got you know, set up for pretty much whatever genre you want to do. If you want to do like, oh, we're fantasy adventurers and they can set up a little like medieval village and goblins and whatnot for you to fight. Mm -hmm. They can set up a space adventure. They can do whatever. Yeah. And the whole thing is super high tech where they've got a mix of live action actors in costume plus you know, robots and animatronic things for, like, monsters. Yeah, they can do hologram stuff. They can and do a lot hologram. of VR things. Yeah, VR. They can do hologram overlays. They have moving floor parts so they can create the illusions of, like, flight or, or uh, rapidly ascending elevations. Yeah. So that's sort of where the book and this RPG focus on mm-hmm. is these games that people are playing in there. I'm going to go ahead and say now, and I bet you'll agree with this one, that there's a map in here of the entire amusement park. Oh, yeah. And that is by far the most interesting thing you could, I, I could think of for what I want to do with this. I was so upset <laughs> that there was no other information. Because looking at the map for the park, I'm like, ooh, everything in this is more interesting to me than these fucking games. Yeah. Like, there's a whole section that's like Arkham, the Americana slash noir detective area. And I'm like, dude, who goes there? I want to see the co- I want to see the clientele who's like, yeah, I want to pretend like I'm in a 1940s Howard Hawks movie. <laughs> the great thing for me is looking at that and going, also... These sections are so huge mm-hmm. that, like, They're each ridiculous. of them, well, each of them have, like, multiple hotels mm-hmm. and themed restaurants. They mentioned that the park contains more than 40 hotels, because the opening of this book, the beginning, like, two or three chapters of it, is delivered first person by a variety of NPCs that you may recognize from the books if you've read them. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's, we open with the guy who was, like, the protagonist of at least a few of these books, a guy named, like... Like uh, Alex Griffin, Alex Griffin. Yeah, that's right. And he's he's like, I particularly enjoy the Gulliver's Travels area of the park. I find the hotels to be the most thematically pleasing. And I'm like, dude, no, no one wants to stay in a ho- in a Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana hotel room. <laughs> uh, whereas I'm looking at the one that's like all haunted theme park stuff. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Give me that. I want to stay in that hotel. Mm-hmm. Just some bored employee comes in at one thirty in the morning. Woo, sir. I am a ghost. 
Boogins. Uh, the, the thing I noted with enjoyment was that the exact center spoke of the park is like an administration tower. Yes. That is actually called the Dark Tower. <laughs> yep. There's just this giant looming tower in the middle of the park, which feels like it would be disruptive to the immersion of every land. If you're like, ah, oh, yes, here I am at... You know, Sherlock Holmes land, and I'm I'm going to solve a mystery. And also, what is that giant future tower? <laughs> yeah, well, it's the office buildings, apparently, because there's a whole bunch of, like, sinister undergoings on. And oh, what, yeah. It, the, the, the books are all about, like, the intrigue surrounding the park. This RPG is mostly about how to play a game in the park. Yeah, whereas the books are like, ooh, there's a murderer loose in the park, and he's in one of the games, and now you've got to find out, like, who's real and who's a killer and whatnot and it's a I mean, mystery just turn the machine off and do it that way that would be crazy instead you have to venture into the ancient days of nights oh yeah <laughs> well because they're like oh we can't turn it off these people paid an ass load of money to do these games <laughs> so you got to go in there and hopefully this guy don't kill any of them i mean i can go ahead and tell you from what limited experience i have with theme parks that no they turn that shit off mm-hmm <laughs> Oh, yeah. Someone gets mangled by the, the wheels under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. They turn the fucking lights on. They they're not like, oh, you guys paid a lot of money for your Disneyland tickets. That guy's leg is inconsequential. <laughs> uh, I mean, the one time I ever went on Space Mountain, as from, ever. Like, I've only ever been on it once, yeah. and the lights were on for like four-fifths of my ride. Because someone at the bottom was like looking for a dropped purse or something. All right. Uh, so the the whole ride, the, I'll guarantee you, the first couple minutes of it before they turned the lights on, I was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm on a roller coaster." The last several minutes, I was terrified. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in there with the lights on, but it is ridiculous how packed in there that roller coaster is. Oh yeah, that thing is just like a swirling ball of rail. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. There's stuff wigging by over it. Like, if you lift your arms up on that ride, you're maybe two inches away from having your fingers taken off. Yep. So, uh, but anyway, the, they'd turn it off. They'd turn the thing off to catch a murderer. I'm just saying. Well, this is a dystopian It is future. a dystopian future where they don't turn things off to catch a murderer. Yeah. That's that's how the future has changed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, this book is all about a dream park and people's adventures in the domes rather than the park yeah now they make a couple of references towards oh you might play a sub game where there's like a murder afoot or a mystery that you need to solve that yeah maybe there's some you know espionage industrial espionage or whatever yeah. going on you may have to play outside the domes here and there but really the vast majority of this book is given over to a generic game in the domes yes and <laughs> Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. This is an Art Halsorian uh, games, and it, and its primary writer was Mike Pondsmith. Yes. So it's uh, it's got pedigree to it. I mean, that's that's the cyberpunk guy. He's been around for a long time, and he's done a lot of good things. Hell yeah. Now, the rules for this, mm -hmm. I was originally super pulled into. Uh, given that it's got no ability scores? Yeah, I think that that's... Well, no, the big thing that pulled me in was they're like, first... You're going to make the visitor to the park. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then that visitor is going to have a character that they're playing. And I'm like, I love the multi-layer. Like, all right, I have to be a guy pretending to be a guy. Mm -hmm. This is great. That means, like, that's going to be some fun role-playing challenges. Like, if you play a guy who's got, like, a thick German accent, and then he goes into a cowboy world, and you have to do, like, cowboy doing, or, or German doing cowboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of fun space to play with mm -hmm. in the sort of multi-leveled 
uh, character building, mm-hmm. but the the book doesn't really give a shit. Uh, yeah, it, the the book's going to take an interesting direction when we get there. Uh, so the first thing in the in here, I mean, beyond the several pages of like, oh, meet these two people. They're the ones who are the financial experts behind the park. Well, these ones build the games that you will be playing. Yeah, those folks are never going to show up again. They might do in some of the many, many adventures in the back of this. I don't know. No. Uh, but But for the most part, it's just... You know, here's a bunch of NPCs drawn in very 1981 style. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite piece of art in here, and you'll get to it towards near the end of the book, is a, a, under a heading for su- subtitled romance. There's these two like space adventures that are about to kiss. I, did you see that picture too? Uh-huh. I've never seen two people who did not want to kiss more drawn in a picture. <laughs> They're both just like Ugh, uh... gross. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And you're sure I'll get the movie part. <laughs> <laughs> like two high schoolers in a play that uh-huh. don't like each other but have to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, the the book opens with a series of mini adventures that are basically supposed to be like your training wheels access to the game. Yeah, and this also provides a very stripped down version of the rules with just some pre-made characters to choose from mm-hmm. with a couple adventures that you could run through. And most of the adventures are like one map. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, the adventure is do this one thing. Yeah, you start in this corner on the star. At the far corner of the squares of this, there's a key. You have to get over there. There's velociraptors. Okay, have fun. Yeah, it's the the games as they present in the beginning of the book are much more like board games. Yeah, they're, ta- they're tactical board games. Uh, it's this is a thing, and we've seen this before. We've seen this in several games that has like a basic version of the game that you could play a little bit to kind of get like the idea for it, and then like starting around page thirty, here's the real game. Yeah. And just once, I want to see someone try to write one of these books, get to the end of the basic section, and be like, okay, now for the advanced game, first divide everything by sixty. Wait, hold on, this sucks. The boring game was good, or the basic game was good. Wait a minute, I had a basic idea for a game. I don't need all the shit I'm about to add onto it. I don't need a bunch of shit about how to turn in degrees to match the speed that you were going. It's it's not as interesting. Yeah, because with this, it does have the option of either doing, uh, you can move by squares, so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, every square is however much distance inches it's uh oh, oh yeah, well, yeah the that's the other thing is well, inches the, and there's also three scales is uh, there's there's combat speed travel speed and like flight travel speed that, that determine what those individual inches or squares represent yeah but you can either do it by the square or get out your tape measure and do it you know war game style where you move by inches i do like these old books from the earlier because this one's from 81 uh early books where they're like uh, you could use miniatures. Uh, we aren't going to make any, so maybe get out those pieces from a sorry board or use like a, a bottle cap. Oh, yeah. They're just like, I don't know if you got some coins laying mm-hmm. around and a ball of lint, then go to town. Those are your characters now. I always love it when that sort of thing is described in the book. It's like, yeah, get a, you know, get the battleship from, from Monopoly. That's you. Hey. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, it's basically a little square board. You, you, uh, there's characters you can choose from they're like tear out cardboard character uh pregens sadly they were all torn out of our copy of the book yeah well yeah uh can't be helped it's all right we kind of basically got the idea from the two example ones they showed us yeah and the i mean the nice thing is also with the uh the basic version of this with the character 
everything fits onto like a quarter of a page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like an index all card. the information you need is just one half of one half of a page. Mm-hmm. And actually, the actual character sheet in this game is only a half-page thing itself. Yeah. So it is It is a very simple game. Uh, under the base rules, you pretty much just have a name and ten basic skills. Yes. And the basic... Oh, the wound track. Well, yeah, yeah. But I also really like that the wound track is on there, mm-hmm. and it's just put a paperclip on there and move the paperclip down. Yeah, it's Betrayal at the House on the Hill wound track. Yeah, it's, it's you a, have upwards of 15, probably way less. Yeah. And that's how many hit points you got. Mm-hmm. There you go. But the uh, basic skills you can get are melee, ranged, hand-to-hand, knowledge, tinkering, dodge, athletics, stealth, awareness, willpower. That's it. Those are all of the things you will use to roll. Yep, and they range in numbers on a starting character between like one and five. Yeah. I'm specifically speaking of the pre-gens here. Yes. Uh, and the entire mechanic of the game is when you want to do something, you find which one of those skills is relevant to what you're trying to do. You roll a D six, you add that number that your skill is, and then you compare it against a competing number. Yeah. Whatever the difficulty is, mm-hmm. or if you're against someone, whatever that role is, there is a static chart in there where it's like easy is a three and impossible is a 14. Uh, I, and I don't remember what's in the middle because it's, it's pretty basic, but mostly they almost every example is opposed roles. You're shooting, someone's dodging. Yeah, almost all the time they're like, you probably shouldn't have anyone roll anything unless it's at least a seven mm-hmm. because you always have at least a plus one to whatever you're rolling. Yeah. So they're like, eh, if there's not even like a reason to roll for most of this, don't. Hey, appreciated. Appreciated. That's a nice thing to see in an older game. Yeah. Um. So those are the ten skills you get to move. I think it's like six inches in a turn. They make a, a deal. Uh, it's kind of like the modern fifth edition D and D, where you can move and attack and move and what 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 have you. Yeah, your are, movement is just divided up during your turn. Yeah, in by inches, and it's it's pretty sim- simple and straightforward. It even gives you the diagonal movement is all like diagonal square movement is also one inch. Well, yeah, because the whole thing is simple. normally if you were doing the I just use the tape measure, it'd be like. Yeah, I'm just moving as much as I moved in whatever direction I want, Mm -hmm. because I don't have squares, I just have inches of movement. Yeah. So that provides you with three little game boards and three little games to go with them. It's like one of them is, is, uh, oh, there's a Velociraptors, and they have a time key, and you need to get the time key to to stop the, to to go back to your own time. And then there's, you know, oh, there's zombies here, kill the zombies, great, you did it. Yeah. So those are, those are fairly straightforward. Um... The after that, we go right into the advanced rules, which for the most part are pretty much the same. Like I, I got really worried when I saw that it was like, oh, here's advanced skills. I was like, oh, no, you already had you figured it out. You got your skill list down to 10. Are you now going to make it like 50? Oh, yeah. And, and they don't quite do that. The, the, well, the skills are essentially just optional bonuses to specific things for those 10 skills. So it'd be like, oh, within tinkering. If I'm specifically good at, like, car repair or something, I could have a skill point in that. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to whatever I'm adding to tinkering, I can add that. Yeah. So it's it's mostly just sub-skills, mm-hmm. and for a lot of things, you'd be buying that instead of, say, getting a cool power or getting, you know, something interesting you can do. So a lot of the things is like, well, if you want to be really good at something, sure, you can invest in the skills, Mm -hmm. but it also is an opportunity cost because everything about a character costs points. Right. 
So before, uh, before I'm sorry, this is my fault, but before we get to the actual advanced skills, the first thing about building an advanced character in this game is choosing one of several archetypes. And this is a part where we start seeing a weird thing about this game. Uh, this is probably going to be the thing that we spend the most time on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, given that we we have not talked for more than half the show, and this is pretty much the rest of the show, so yes. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean the idea behind the disconnect yes. of no. what you would actually do in this scenario and the way the game plays out. Yeah, that's completely correct, and I think we're going to end up talking about it in a variety of ways, uh, specifically how this game does not make internal consistent sense. And also how this game very badly pr failed to predict how MMOs are going to work in the future. <laughs> um, okay, so you choose one of ten, ten or so archetypes. There are things like fighter, wizard, lore master, engineer. Yeah, you've got, essentially, for the ten skills, there's basically just one per skill that's like, what are you? Oh, I'm the fighter. I'm good at melee. Okay, great. What are you? Oh, I'm the thief. I'm good at stealth. All yeah, right. I'm, I'm the cool. lore master. I'm good at logic. The, yeah. It's just that sort of thing. And then they're bad at everything else. But there are quite a number of them. There's enough that you, there, there's stuff like Monk and so on is, is one of the archetypes. Yeah, the hand to hand guy. Yeah, he's the hand to hand guy. Uh, they're, they, they give you, all they really give you is your basic starting of those 10 basic skills. They give you a number between one and four for each one of them. And then they give you a wound track. They also provide you with a little icon, because there are like ten icons. That There's like the lore master icon, the thief icon. If a skill has those icons next to it, like the advanced skills, then only that class can take it. Yes. And the last one of the ten archetypes is the multi-class. The multi-class gets crappy stats across the board, but chooses two of those icons and can take stuff from both of them. Yes. Uh, now, it does also have rules for if you want to make up your own class, mm -hmm. because... Every single class follows the same structure of you get one four, you get two threes, you get three twos, and then the rest ones or whatever. Yeah, so it's very easy to build your own new class. Yeah, so you can just do that, distribute those however you want, and say, uh, all right, I didn't like the idea of the wizard, so instead I made a guy that's the fighting magic dude. And yeah, he you're going to make your, your gish, yeah. But, uh, well, okay, so we were just talking about how this is going to create the first sort of disconnect like or internal logic dis inconsistency in this game. This is a choice you make about your your player in the game. You're kind of, the, you're one level deep in the, uh, in, in the inception. This is the person walking into Dream Park, not the person who you get as your skin when you go into the video game. Yeah, it's very weird because when they start out, you do go through a list of like, all right. What is the visitor's name? What do they do mm -hmm. as a job outside of the park? Yeah. What is, you know, their interest? Why are they doing these games? Like, you have several questions you go through to answer kind of a background thing for your character. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, like, oh, and now choose the, like, character type you'll play. I go, my visitor isn't a fighter or a thief. Why am I... This feels weird. It does. It, it's almost like they make you go to a sorting hat when you arrive at the park, and they're like, and I declare you a lore master. For all Nerd. Future, for all future <laughs> games, you shall be a lore master with no choices. This yeah. Dig that, dork. Get I'm, out of here. I'm, Your I'm, friend's a sex haver. <laughs> well, the lore I study is the lore of sex. <laughs> well, while you were having sex, I studied the blade. <laughs> While you were having sex, I studied you having sex. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, okay, so 
So yeah, that's kind of a weird moment, right? When you first read through that, you're like, oh, okay. So you choose one of these ten when you're entering the game world, and that's like, the, yeah. that's they, they made these archetypes to make it simple for you to just slave one on and be like, that's me for this game, like you know, choosing Blanca. But no, that's you. That's what you're playing as. You're like, for the rest of the game, you're this engineer. Yeah, because those stats that you get from that are set. Yeah, they're static. You can level them up, and uh, we'll talk about the XP system in this game later. They are one of the few things that's immune to being lost from your character. Yeah, because it's you, whereas everything else is the game. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very weird that you'd be like, all right, I picked Wizard because I thought I was making a character for this fantasy game, but now I'm I'm here in this dogfighting game, and I'm a wizard still. <laughs> so that's the, the the next thing that they really tell you is there's like twelve or so types of games you can go into. They're just genres, right? They're just yeah. like pulp, war stories, that kind of thing. Uh, most of them have pretty str- stringent restrictions on the magic, psionics, and superpowers that make up most of the choices you're going to make as a character. Note that one of the archetypes is straight up just psionic, and another one is just cleric. And and one of them is superhero. Yeah. So if you choose one of those and you go into any game that's not like superhero the game, you're shit out of luck. Well, well even sort then, of. You're not. It just means your specialty things that only you can choose don't matter for that game. Yeah, and your base stats aren't necessarily conducive to the because the well, rest you're still in the base stats. Yeah, because all ten of them are used for any given scenario. No, I know. But if you're like, well, what do you have? I have a four in lore skills. What's under lore skills? Mostly spells. Uh, okay, well, I really wish I did. I had a four somewhere that I was going to use if we're going to play dogfighting games over and over again. And the book, it's weird because we will eventually learn it when we make it to the XP system that everything but the base skill, which might as well be your attributes in the game, everything but the basic skills is vulnerable to loss. If you die, you lose half your unspent on basic skills points. Uh, if you lose items, you lose the value of points you had to spend to acquire them. Uh, but you can also cash everything in at the end of an adventure so that you can like resleeve yourself. You can be like, all right, well, I'm gonna, we're going into a, a King Arthur game, so I'm gonna give myself a suit of armor and a, a lance and a horse. Um, and then at the end of the adventure, you still have all that stuff. You can trade it for points. But the book is constantly delivering this from the message of like, careful if you pick spells. If you go into a game that doesn't have spells, you've wasted points. And I'm like, yeah, you made that incredibly basic and obvious. Why do you keep hammering that home? Yeah, I. <laughs> For a game that has the entire concept of, oh, yeah, you just go in and you play whatever adventure you want to, for them to constantly be like, but maybe you fucked up. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, if I'm a guest Mm -hmm. of a park and I go, hey, uh, I know I I was here last week doing a cowboy adventure, but I'm back. I paid to get another game. And this time I want to do a space adventure. And they're like, oh, well, it's a shame you know all about riding horses. There are none in space. You're like, <laughs> what? I paid for an adventure. Yeah, you're going to put me in a character that makes sense in a space game. <laughs> oh, maybe I won't. And it turns out that despite the book's tone, yeah, they will. That's actually that's how the XP system works. But it keeps being like, beware, if you choose a superpower and then enter a regular world scenario, your superpower won't work. It's like, yeah, then then you won't be allowed to choose it. It's yeah. it's fine. You don't, it's not, it's, it's a really slow bar that you're hoping idiot players will trip on. Yeah, because that's, that's walking into the park and going <laughs> up to the, I want a space adventure and I want to be a cowboy, baby. And they're like, at, like, like Han Solo's a cowboy? No, a literal one. 
Okay. I want to be up there in a horse while everyone is flying X-Wings. Ah, very good. You've seen Ret- uh, Rise of Skywalker then. Carry on. John, you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, so you don't know there's a scene where they ride space horses onto a Star Destroyer. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Is it in space? Uh, no, it's in the atmosphere of a plant that looks like it's always got a lightning storm happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's very, very dumb. And the horses look like whiphead horses. <laughs> so just putting that out there for you. So, so yeah, the horses in space is a thing that Star Wars has done. Great. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I didn't see it. And I realize now that Star Wars is dumb. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, you get to, there are several things to spend starting points on, and most characters, I believe, unless you modify it as the DM, start with 20 bonus points to spend. Uh, now, you can spend those on optional skill additions, which we already talked about, and then there is a significantly huge list of psionic powers, cleric spells, wizard spells, and superpowers. And among those, mm, you're going to be able to actually buy maybe one of the lower cost ones. Of the superpowers, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, because you can get, like, a starting character, if you don't spend anything on basic skills, can get maybe three or four crappy spells. Oh, yeah. You can get a few spells if mm-hmm. you spend all your points on it. The uh, superpowers are, like, the cheapest one is maybe 15 points. Yeah, I think the cheapest one is eight, but it's just toughness. It's just, like, you get extra hit wounds yeah you got an extra wound grass yeah it's not it's but the rest of them are like yeah 14 to 18 is kind of the the floor which when you start with 20 points is like yeah you can't have these or if you do it's the only thing you have oh yeah because you start looking at him and you're like oh but what if i want any classic superhero power okay did you want flight no that's like 50 points fuck mm-hmm. off yeah how do i be uh, a guy who can like fly and punch like how would i be spider-man okay spider-man's like 600 points <laughs> look anyone that has more than one thing they do mm-hmm too expensive do you want to be cyclops okay you can have a blast you can't afford it at the beginning level of course but that's also at it's least a cowboy doable. game and it doesn't work stupid oh but i want to be a cowboy blast laser mans well, i want to be a cowboy cyclops that's um okay so well we're playing in greek mythology so i'm a cowboy cyclops <laughs> Actually, that brings up another note I found kind of funny. They go into huge amounts of detail about how extremely advanced their VR and costuming and and uh, robotics, like, robotics and so on are. And then there's a section where it's like, would you like to play as a member of a different like species? You can, provided they're exactly human size. Don't try to play a dwarf. Dwarves are shorter than humans. You can't do that. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're telling me that you can't just VR someone looking a little shorter to everyone else on the map? Yeah. No. That's insane. Also, I did like that they mentioned Kazinti is one of the things you could be instead. I was like, oh, cool. A little, a little Known Worlds reference. Some more uh-huh. Larry Niven stuff. Uh-huh. Some Niven stuff. Yeah, look at that. They got Stephen King and Larry Niven references so far. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're like, you can't play a dwarf. That's nonsense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as we were saying, you can choose from a wide variety of psionic powers and spells. And this brings up... Let's go ahead and say major internal cognitive dissonance problem number two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are several spells. A lot of the spells are simple. There are things like summon wolf. And then most of the, like almost entirely the cleric spell list is cure wounds. There's one cure wound spell. And then cancel everyone else's spells. Oh, they are so heavy in counter spell. I was like, 
That's a weird place to take the idea of a cleric, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, like wizard has summon animal, cleric has banish animal. That's it's just it's just a uh, binary. Uh, damage for spells that do damage and so on are exceedingly simple. They just say this one does critical damage, and you'll eventually find a chart that explains what that means. Yeah. Um, and so the spells are all very very simple. Very few of them have any more than one sentence, just one word to them. Uh, and a lot of them make perfect sense. They're things like you know uh, shoot a laser. Fine, that's easy to do in a in a in a creative game. But then there's ones that are like slow down time or teleport. And it's yeah. like wait wait. If I can't VR myself into looking like a dwarf, then how the fuck am I instantly teleporting? Yeah, because they've got, like, for the superpowers, there are two different types of teleport. Mm -hmm. One is teleport to a place you've been or can see, and one is just teleport anywhere. And I go, hey, my dude, (laughs) so if I teleport anywhere I want to, what does that look like exactly? <laughs> Do you stop the game and go, all right, please come with me? I have to assume that like three quarters of the uh, of the superpowers end in you just stopping the game. They're like, oh, I'm slowing down time, so I go four times as fast as everyone else. And everyone else just gets like a warning on their screen that goes like, move slowly. <laughs> Don't fuck it up for this guy. <laughs> One guy's doing a cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in here where I'm just like, okay, but... How did you do that in the game? It's easy enough if you're like, lightning bolt. Yeah, sure. You made sure. a little VR lightning bolt come out of my hands. Yeah, summon wolf. Oh, a robot dog comes out. Yeah, It's fine. Sure, great. That's, that's, it's great. I get that. But when you're talking about things like, oh, I've got a spell that I might or might not cast mm-hmm. of flight. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but when I cast it, do I... If I put flight on my spell list, am I always harnessed? Mm-hmm. Or what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... Very- it's uh, it's very weird. Like, it's like they just kind of forgot what kind of game they were writing right around here. Yeah, I mean, all, almost. I'd say a third of the spells and half the superpowers just don't work when you're talking about an elaborate VR system, or not even VR, an elaborate LARP system. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of the spells is detect lies, uh, and I'm very curious how that works. And it, it may, I just get- on your HUD for your <laughs> pop up screen, it goes lies, lies. I guess it could only work on like uh, the NPCs who have like scripted dialogue that they have to say automatically. You know, if if you walk up to them like, "Welcome to Corneria. I like swords," and he's like, "Ah, oh, it's a lie. He does not like swords. He's uh, a pole armsman." <laughs> or is it a pole sarman? A pole sarman. <laughs> Hi, I'm pole sarman. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, detect lies doesn't make any fucking sense. If you're talking to the other PCs and they're like, yeah, my name's, uh, my name's Bill Waycrest and things like, no, his name's Kevin Dubrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. And it feels like if they had gone a little more hardcore into thinking about this as say, like a Westworld type scenario Mm -hmm. rather than. It feels like we made a generic system for playing a role-playing game and then put it into Dream Park. Yeah. So, like we were saying, the the health tracks in this game are pretty static and and aren't very big. So, uh, the Cure Wound spell is just cure a die plus one wounds from a target. Because that's like up two to seven, which is a little bit of healing to about half of someone's life total. And the reason I bring this up is because my absolute favorite spell in the game is just the cleric spell cause or cure wounds. Yes, indeed. Uh, so the cleric spell cure wounds, you can choose a target, you shoot them with the spell, and it cures them for a D6 plus one wounds. Uh, the book then goes on to say it is not a good idea, and you should not use the spell on the same target more than once per game. Uh, the effects of being of having your body suddenly and dramatically healed are exceedingly shocking, and more than one use is fatal. And I was like, did you just make the cleric the best killer in the game? Did you just 
Did you just give me a two-cast insta-kill? <laughs> Cause light wounds. Oh, thanks, buddy. Cause light wounds. Ah, I, <laughs> I died. Yeah, you go up to some monster and you're like, cure. Oh, what was that? Cure, you're dead. <laughs> it's like uh, the Final Fantasy VI trick where you make something invisible because then it can't be, uh, it, it, it loses its immunity to being hit with Phantom Zone and it instantly dies. Ah. Uh, yeah, but it, it it's just sort of, dumb writing where they're like yeah it's super dangerous to cure someone more than once that's why you're that's why we have this balance rule that you're only allowed to do it one person per game be like no make it a balanced thing don't make it a mechanical thing you just gave me a murder tool also i paid you money for this <laughs> fantasy if my fantasy was being a rad magic healer why why did you do that? No, I know. The, the, the game constantly runs into and we talked about that at the very beginning of the game that that there are two kinds of kind of logical inconsistencies in this game. And one of them is the internal ones where it's like, wait, how does teleporting work? And the other is the mechanics of the world. Yes. Where, where you value, I mean, granted, it, it was made in 1981. It wasn't like anyone had a really, or the, the books were from the 80s. It's not like anyone had a really strong sense of how MMO design was going to go. But ultimately, they make it a very clear point throughout the book in a variety of ways that this is cream of the crop entertainment for for people who can afford it or have managed to be bought into it and are now being able to play specifically because they're good and entertaining to other people oh yeah well the the whole thing has sections on like uh not only is this entertainment for the people who are doing it but you can make a ton of money by selling off like vids of it uh and like vr vids so other people can experience what you did. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, you can sell off, like, uh, the tickets to sort of see you because there's competitive stuff. Right. So but it's like, oh, yeah, I'm one of the best players. And when I get into a game, I'm I'm a badass at it. Yeah. But this is a game of the gentry is basically what you're hearing. It's, it's a game for rich people. Yes. Like, if you want to go in and play it on your own and you're not part of some sort of competitive league for it. And they're still like, ah, only one heal per day. More than that is stupid. And you're like, dude, fuck you. This costs like $500,000. Yeah. You do the thing I say. Yeah, no, I am paying you too much money for you to tell me that, like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, why, in our world, there is only one heal that you shut up the fuck up. Don't make me throw <laughs> wads of money at you. Press the heal button. <laughs> like, and it's, it's just a, a consistent... Uh, thing throughout the course of the book that the tone is basically like, uh, oh, well, we know what's best for you in the game world where you can do anything at all, provided it's cleric spells. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it ends up getting to the point where you're like, it feels like I just went to Fantasy Island and he's like, we will make all your fantasies come true as long as your fantasy is to play polo, because that's all we got here. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. I'm sorry. For some reason, I pictured the island from Pinocchio. That's and, weird. And he was like, you can do anything you want here. And that's like Treasure Island or something instead. I forget what the pleasure. Pleasure. Island. Thank you. It's Pleasure Island. Welcome to Pleasure Island. You can do anything you want as long as it's get turned into a donkey. <laughs> oh, sweet, says one guy in the back. <laughs> My thing! That was my thing! Finally realized! <laughs> oh man, I was real worried I was going to get here and it was going to be all drinking and smoking and whatnot. <laughs> Fuck yeah, donkeys! <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, it, it kind of, and this is going to come up a lot throughout the course of it, that it, it seems to err on the side of being a role-playing game uh, when it should be a little more nuanced than that because you're playing as rich people doing a fun activity. Well, and also, the very concept behind this should be, what is this? This is one-shots the RPG. Yes, Where yeah. every single time you play this, 
you're probably going to be running in something different, and that's the theme of it. That's the whole idea is that you can you, oh, it's you're always someone new. It's it's neat. Yeah, and if that was what they went in with, and they're like, yeah, when you get in. You just spend your points, you make a character, it's super easy, there's ten skills, who cares? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you need anything, it's provided for you, great. Mm -hmm. And all that's going to happen is, you're going to go through some narrative story adventure, Mm -hmm. and then that'll be it. And I I would look at a game like this and go... That's the most innovative shit I've ever seen come out of the 80s. Huh? That's It's super interesting. But they don't stick it. Instead, they, they kind of just, at a certain point in the book, they're just building a regular RPG. Yeah. And I understand for, especially for old design, mm-hmm. the idea of, oh, well, we would get a r- rid of an XP system because obviously you'd be playing a new character every time you came in mm-hmm. would seem mind-bogglingly different. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I when I first saw how the XP system worked, where, like, your basic skills stay with you because you are getting better at the game, I was like, oh, that's fine. That's, you know, you come in every day, you keep playing the game, you're going to get better at laser tag or mech warrior or whatever modern equivalent <laughs> you want to call this. Uh, but it, it's the rest of the XP system is just mind-boggling. But before we get to it, uh, there's a few psionic powers, which are basically just spells with different names. They're, they're very little difference between psionic powers and spells. Uh, most of them are the same thing. Spell ha- spells have teleport, psionics have teleport. Yeah, I was going to say, usually the only thing is, between the three different types of like spells, the mm-hmm. cleric, wizard, and psionic, it's mostly just, what is this sort of flavored around? Yeah. Now, the way spells work in the game is that you can purchase them the same way you purchase the optional additional skills. Uh, they have levels of difficulty to purchase, which is the amount of points you have to spend to acquire... Uh, a level of the spell. So, for example, a medium spell is like you have to pay three points per level of the spell to learn it. Um, and the levels, the way it works, is when you roll a spell that's like a level, th- you have a level three in, you add three. That's it's it's your because you modifier. still have to roll to do it. Yeah. Uh, spells, powers, anything that isn't a superpower is it's a skill essentially to do. Yeah. And the other thing that that plus three, like when you buy a level, like say I bought cure wounds at level three. Uh, I would when I rolled the cure wounds, I'd add three to it because I have it at plus three. Also, I can use it three times. Yeah, and also that number goes down as you're making your way through the game. The first time you use it, it's at plus three. The next time you use it, it's at plus two, and then you can only use it one more time. Yeah, uh, and so that's that's a regular thing with spells. Now, superpowers are just you buy a power and you have it, and that's it's permanent. And that's why they're so the game makes them super expensive. Mm-hmm. But. <sighs> I first saw the superpower list, and I was super daunted. I was like, oh, man, that's going to take forever oh, to get man, through. Oh, man, that's a great character. Super daunted? Super daunted. I'm <laughs> I'm unsure of myself in the face of everything. <laughs> uh, hey, that's that's pretty much my character. Yeah, well, there you so, go. Uh, um, anxiety man. <laughs> I, he th- can- I think we've got our bonus content. Anxiety man. He can't right now. <laughs> he, just, he just can't. Yeah, not with this. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so... The superpowers, though, aren't as bad as they look because, like, there are six flying superpowers in this game. There's slow flying, medium flying, fast flying, super fast flying. I think my favorite thing in the flight powers was that slow flying is as fast as a slow airplane. Uh, you can as have. As slow as a fast airplane. <laughs> it's a large boulder the size of a small boulder. <laughs> oh, and I love that. <laughs> Uh, and it specifically says for slow flying, you can have wings. And then at each successive speed beyond that, it's like, wings would be stupid. You can't have wings. Obviously no wings. Yeah, you can fly Mach 1, not with wings. That's crazy. 
And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure there's superheroes with wings that can fly all crazy fast. Like, like that's the thing. That's that's, the, that's what they're thinking. Plus, fuck you. You don't know it's super. You don't know from superheroes. It's 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 a power. It's a superpower. Quit putting dumb little restrictions in here. Uh, now that one's not even do anything. No, it's just like, hey, did you have an image in your mind? Fuck that image. Yeah. And, uh, it, plus, it's just like wings, no wings. And I'm like, you know, every almost everything that goes really really fast like that does have wings it just doesn't have big feathery bird wings yeah i mean what if i want wings but they look you know like cool archangel metal wings yeah, or just jet wings what if i just have an f-15 strapped to me as like a backpack and that's my superpower <laughs> yeah what then dream park i've got wings now and a tail <laughs> uh yeah. yeah the 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 power section in this i hate that it's so prohibitively expensive for most mm-hmm. of the things and well the prohibitive exp- it mostly means that when you first start this game you shouldn't do superheroes well yeah it means when you like the first time you show up at this park regardless of how much money you've given them they're like oh is it baby's first time here's a dagger you go on a dungeon adventure but I was really, I had in mind, I wanted, no, 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 here you go. I saved my whole life to come here once. <laughs> can oh, I, look can at I, you. Can I do the, uh, I like Wolverine. Can I be Wolverine? Wolverine would be $600. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, except you can't buy your way to, to fame in this game. Exactly. Uh, the game is, like we were saying, there's that logical disconnect problem where this park does not want your money, plebe. Where you're just like, hey, can I play Wolverine in this game? I want to be Wolverine. Where's the premium content pack that unlocks Wolverine? I'm sorry, Wolverine? you haven't played this game enough to do that. Yeah, here's 20 American dollars. <laughs> yeah, instead of being like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy your jewels or whatever. I'll buy the beginner's pack that gives me 100 jewels and 75 Klebo dollars. Oh, look at this. It unlocks a special red version of Miss Marvel. Great. I'll take all that and let me spend my jewels so I can unlock Wolverine. Come mm-hmm. on, man. But it doesn't have that. Instead, it's just like, no, you need to cu- keep coming back in order to get something cool. Welcome to Earn Your Fun Park. <laughs> uh, so the superpowers, they're pretty much what you think. Most of them, surprisingly, outside of teleport and slow time, seem like they'd be pretty easy to replicate in a LARP environment. Yeah. Flight's just a harness. Super strength is just that you can pick up the plastic shit that otherwise would be lashed to the floor. Yeah. Um. It's fine. It's fine. They all they all kind of make sense. And then a few of them straight up don't. Huh. Uh, at that point, we get to how the XP system works. And this is this is an interesting sticking point in the game. Uh, when you spend XP, you can spend three times the value of your current basic skill in order to raise it up. If you do that, that's your character getting better at, at as a player. And that, that is sacrosanct. You can't touch it anymore. Well, yeah. You might have come in with a one in hand-to-hand weapons. Uh, or melee weapons, mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm some accountant somewhere. Of course, I didn't know how to use a sword. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I've come to this park a few times. I've played a fighter every time. I kind of get how to swing a sword, and it's not like actors have to go, oh, and like jump in the way of the sword. <laughs> You've hit me. <laughs> Zounds. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I mean, granted, if you're like some accountant and you come in and your first time you've ever played, you're like, I'm a fighter. They're like, okay, you're very good at sword fighting, I guess. And that's permanent. That's you from now on. <laughs> uh, but so XP system works. You can purchase any one of the other optional skills, psionic powers, spells, superpowers uh, for uh, character points. And at the end of the adventure, you can spend those powers back to get your points back. So you can re-sleeve yourself into something else later. However, 
if you die in the game, you uh, die in real life. Uh, there's that, that's all, <laughs> also possible, but it's rare. Yeah. Uh, if you die in the game, you lose half your points flat out. You just lose them. Now, you can get up to half those points, so a quarter of your total points back, if you play as an NPC and the DM thinks you did a real good job. Yeah, if you go to the uh, the park and you're like, hey, I know that you killed me in a game I paid for, mm-hmm. but can I for free work for you in order to get a sliver of that back? Mm, yes, okay. You have to play as the dishwasher. <sighs> Very well, Very then. Very well, hmm. And you're sure I can't just spend $1,000 and just have my character not lose half his... No, we're... This is a park that is not about cash dollars. Uh, We are about the integrity of the story here. (laughs) Uh, You lose half your points if you die. Also, any gear that's destroyed over the course of your game, you lose those points as well. Yeah, because if I paid points to be like, hey, I've got like a cool magic sword because we're playing in a fantasy land and I want a flaming sword. Cool. Mm -hmm. I have that. I spent points on that. And during the course of the game... We're fighting on a volcano, and someone knocks my sword into the volcano. It's gone now. Mm-hmm. Those points are gone now. Now, there are a couple of ways to have your character permanently die, but not the, not your player of your character. Like So your, your avatar can permanently die. One of them is to be reduced below 10 character points. You just keep dying in the game and losing half your points over and over again. And eventually again. they're like, yeah, this character is actually dead. You should really try another character. You, you don't seem fit for this build. Another one that I thought was amusing uh, was it started as a huge point loss, and then the second strike was death, and that's cheating. <laughs> uh, cheating, in the, and, and I don't mean cheating inside the logic of the game, not diegetic cheating. I mean, like, if you're found fudging dice rolls or something, you should suffer a significant in-game penalty, and then after a second strike, be barred from playing that character. Uh, <clears throat> which I, I can at least get that they're like, oh, you doing that is representative of your avatar cheating the system in the game mm-hmm. they're like oh you messed with the vr gloves so that when you went to shoot the gun it actually had a better chance of hitting or something the problem with mechanical penalties that associate with real world cheating is that it it basically implies a situation where cheating is fine as long as you don't get caught yes because uh, as soon as you learn that there's a penalty for cheating that means that there's not a penalty if you don't get caught there's cheating. not a penalty for not cheating <laughs> So I'm not a huge fan. If one of the players at your table is cheating, I don't feel like a mechanical solution is going to either get them to stop or realize the error of their ways. Either you're going to have to talk to them like a grown-up or stop playing with them. Well, yeah. Usually if someone's cheating at the table, it's because the game isn't what they want. Mm -hmm. Because if you go into a game and you're like, I'm whiffing all the time, I'm going to go ahead and say I hit this time because I'm having a bad time at the game. Hey, it's a game. Let that person hit. If it's important enough that they are lying to you, let them fucking have it. Yeah, or at least call it out. Just be like, yeah, I can see you're you're frustrated. Maybe we should reevaluate the current course of the game that we're playing. And not just like, ah, I've caught you fudging a die roll minus 200 character points. Because that's just going to drive That's them. a 30 DKP minus. Go home and read 20 pages of the dictionary. Yeah, no, that's garbage. Yeah. It's just it, it 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 would make more sense if it was diegetic cheating inside the game universe. If it was like if your character, well, yeah, if you are found tampering with Dream Park equipment, yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're banned from the park, obviously. Yeah, I'd go, sure, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. That's the basics of the XP system. Um, however, I, I, I mentioned there was another way to well, have your per- character die. Oh, I cheating. Gonna, I'm sorry, we did them yeah, both. I was gonna say about the character points is. In addition to Mm. spending points on a thing that you would bring in and lose, there is also 
I just got a thing in the game, and at the end of it, I can trade in the thing I got that I didn't go in with for more points. That's yeah. Or hold on to that thing. Yeah, now that creates a, an internal problem where it means that your characters are going to be richly rewarded for collecting every single goblin short sword or whatever. Yeah, at this point, it ends up making it so that regardless of what type of game you're playing, what you're actually playing is sociopathic murderers that will steal everything. Yeah, steal everything that's not nailed down and pry up everything that is the game. And that should be at least your first 12 or so games until you have enough character points to actually build a fucking superhero. That's how you get the Spider-Man. Yeah, what you do is you go, oh, I had a, an idea. I want to play in a modern-day uh, crime-fighting game. Mm -hmm. Cool. You go into the city, you immediately carjack like 12 people, <laughs> you bring them back to the entrance, and you're like, I would like to trade these in for points. I am a Spider-Man now. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing as a police officer. Let me in the evidence locker. Yeah, okay, take great. This, I, I claim all this stuff and uh, uh, game over. I surrender. <laughs> We're done. Bye. <laughs> uh, now, it does say that, that you can do that with mundane items, but if there's an item that would be game-breakingly powerful for you, for you to keep, uh, you do get to keep it, but you can't trade it in for points. Like, if a, if a magic sword comes into existence and it's super awesome, if it's like a 20 points worth of magic sword, it's like, oh, if you get out, you should be allowed to keep it. That's kind of cool. But it's got to stay a magic sword. You can't trade it for 20 points and boost your character dramatically in a turn. Yeah. Um, now, here's the other problem with the gear system. Let me, let me pitch you a hypothetical, John, if yeah, I may. sure. If I may. If you wanted to play, say, an Aces High game where you're playing as, like, dogfighters in World War II. Yeah, cool, rad, awesome stuff. Yeah, you get your P-38s and fighting the Zeros, and it's all neat, right? Yeah, you're like, I, my dream is to fight the Red Baron or whatever. So you show up at the park, and you're like, I'd like to sign up for World War II Flying Airplanes game, please. And they're and like, oh, that is one of the many games that we offer. Thank mm -hmm. you, yes. Okay, so it's going to start by me telling you that you need 44 points to purchase a fighter jet, or fighter plane, and 60 or more if you'd like to purchase a bomber instead. Uh, this is my first time at the park, so... I cannot. I, I'm looking at this card, and it says 20 points. <laughs> um, can I... Is that... Can I pay you for... No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But you are still, for some reason, allowed to play in the game. <laughs> You'll... I don't know. Be on the ground, crew. You'll be Watch wa those planes fight. You'll be watching. And of course, what, what that leads to is the same thing we were talking about earlier, where you're just like, all right, fine, I'll play in the game and I won't buy a fighter <laughs> Shoot jet. Shoot some guy, jump into his fucking plane. <laughs> is that NPC have a plane? Great. Yeah. Oh, no, he fell off the boat. Let's do this. Oh, oh, no, Jerry. <laughs> anyway, that's my plane now. <laughs> I'll fly it out of the game. Now I can afford planes. <laughs> it's a, it, it, and it can, comes up consistently where it's like, oh, uh. A pirate ship costs 170 points, and yes, players can pool their resources to purchase large ticket items, but you're like, okay, well, if I want to play Master and Commander, isn't the boat just the stage? Yeah, wouldn't the dome game that I am in then just be, oh, uh, we put a boat in it and there's water, <laughs> not... Are you just saying that I have to purchase boats if I would like my own boat, or is this actually a barrier to entry? Yeah, like... Do I have to play this for a long enough time before I can play that game? Or and and again, they talk about the the inherent cost of taking heavy ticket items is that if they are destroyed, you lose all the points. And they meant that the example they use is if you spend three hundred points on a space battle cruiser and it gets destroyed in a space battle, you're out three hundred character points. And I'm like, so wait, what would the scenario have been if I chose not to do that? I go into space in, into large scale space combat without a battle yeah, cruiser. And what, just in a dinghy somewhere? Or what am I, I What's well, the plan? Well, here? you have that fighter jet you stole from the previous game, sir. Oh, sweet. I'm going to fly <laughs> my little plane into space and be like, oh, you die. <laughs> 
Um, and it, this creates a, a number of problems in, in, in game terms and in terms of like logic of how the games play, because it's going to no one's ever going to spend points on shit that's going to be vulnerable to attack. No, the, the second you learn that, oh, you spent all of your character points, like everyone's character points on this one cool thing. And if while you're playing something happens to it, you are out those points. You may as well have said, yeah, you guys were playing a cool game. And uh, then I just decided to take five levels off of everyone. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself. It's not. uh, The other problem it creates is what if throwing away an item is actually an important point in the game's logic? Like if I pay 700 points for the one ring, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a reason I'm not going to throw it into Mount Doom. (laughs) Just going to keep it at the end because it's like, like, no. I think I'll keep it. Or if you're like, oh, I bought this pirate ship so I could ram it into Cthulhu. Oh, like, but oh, if but you that... ram it into Cthulhu, it gets destroyed. <sighs> then I don't. Cthulhu destroys it anyway. Get fucked. <laughs> Make it even take the Lovecraft out of it. Yeah, I'd like this pirate ship so I could ram it into Ursula, the sea witch. You know, we're going to do the, the, oh, we can't hit, we don't have the mouse. You could ram it into the gu- the Gulliver guy from Gulliver's Travels when he got really the big. Gulliver guy. I think his name might be Gulliver. <laughs> <laughs> the Gulliver guy. <laughs> you know, what's that guy from Gulliver? <laughs> I think Gulliver was the name of his regular sized horse. <laughs> Gulliver's the name of the monster. <laughs> yeah, Gulliver's monster is the name of the monster. <laughs> Gulliver's monster is the name of his dad. Gulliver's monster is alcoholism. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, okay, so. Uh, but yeah, it, it's. It doesn't seem very well thought out. Like, I, I'm not saying that you should be able to spend all your resources on a laser blaster at the beginning of every session and just be like, haha, this does an insane amount of damage and I don't have to play this game really. But buying basic set dressing items feels stupid. Yes. And it creates arbitrary limits on certain types of games, but not others. So, for example, if you wanted to play, like, Sword and Sandal, you only have to spend points on swords and sandals. <laughs> but but if you want to play fighting, you have to spend, you have to buy the jet. You're just like, this isn't. No, the the fact that everything is based off XP and there's no money in the game because obviously they're like, well, you're paying money to get in here. There isn't really a monetary system in game to buy things. Yeah. So it all becomes XP, but XP is what you get for playing the game and you can't use that until you've played the game, but I can't get the thing that I want until I've done it. It's very also, annoying. Also, the, ex- the XP generation system is full of piddly little details where it's like, oh yeah, an average player probably will earn between 1 and 4 XP averaged per session. Also, it'll cost you 44 to buy an airplane. It's like, this is... At least they get the... I guess if you wanted to make one of them Korean grindo MMOs, then you've succeeded. But those always just let you buy the thing. Oh, yeah. They're like, we're here for money. If you, the reason it's a grind MMO is because we want you to spend money. <laughs> anyway, that's that's bad. Then then there's finally the combat system or how the game's combat works. And uh, it's roll a D6 and add your bonus. And then if you don't want to get hit, you roll a D6 and add your dodge. And if you want to shoot twice, you split your bonus in half uh, and roll your D6 and add those two things. Yeah. Uh, and then you can, there's a whole thing for like, I need to run over there and jump behind a rock and so on. It's like, well, divide the number of actions or, or the uh, the value of all of your bonuses by the number of actions you would like to do. And then you have to roll all of them and succeed in each one individually to do the thing. Yeah. Which, and, as always, is not fun. You know, in this game, it also has like, oh, there's, you know, line of sight and cover and facing is a thing. You yeah. Well, it very much feels like 
we started from the idea of a like tabletop war game mm-hmm. where we're moving by inches. We've got like different rules for cover and facing and things like that. And then they turned it into an RPG in the same way that sort of D and D went from chainmail to D and D. But uh, it just there's too much dumb crap. Well, it, it feels weird that the whole conceit is that you're a real person in a real video game environment, like a, like LARP <clears throat> environment, and then the rules are all like 40k type rules. And you're like, that doesn't. It feels that's odd. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's also a number of things you can do at a penalty to your role to like for attacking. Because I was really worried that by the time we got to the end of this game, that fighters were like, "What do you do? I swing my sword every turn, every turn for the entire game, unless I can't have swords, <laughs> uh, and then I swing whatever I'm allowed to have." Every single my turn. big dick. No, nothing ever changes. It's the same gar- character from start to finish. My big dick. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> my left dick. My big dick's cousin Vinny. <laughs> my big fat dick wedding. <laughs> my left big dick. Uh, uh, that's what I started with. Mm-hmm. You see, if you'd been paying attention to me, Jeff, if you would just give me the attention I crave... <laughs> You started. I just my big dick was what I thought. What I heard you say. No, I was, my my left dick. Did you add a left in there? I did yes. not hear a left. I just heard big. Hmm. <sighs> Sigh. I apologize. This relationship. You know, the counselor said that we need to be more open. <laughs> I don't like counseling. <laughs> Everything about psychiatry is just you're not mad about the thing you're mad about. <laughs> yeah, take that, psychiatrists. <laughs> Actually, psychologists. Psychiatrists are great. Give me pills. Hey, hey, I don't feel good. Give me the pills for yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, but there are a number of things you can do with your, if you have a large bonus, if you're like, oh, I roll a D6 plus 10 to shoot people, you can be like, all right, I'll take four off that, and if I hit him, he's stunned. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, and I, I was appreciative of that. And then the book dives into basically adventures. The first one was submarine magic zombies, and the zombies are dinosaurs. Which, you know, that's a lot of spaghetti to throw at the walls. Oh, yeah. They're like, what is this? Oh, it's a pirate game, but also zombie, but also dinos? I'm going to be honest, though. I, st- I read the first adventure, and there was a problem that I stuck out of me right away. First of all, kudos to the author for knowing that a chronosaurus is a, uh, a reptile and not a dinosaur. That's very... That was advanced. I like that he was on that, on that wavelength. Yeah. Uh, but, but then he, there's a part where, like, you're going towards this island station where a zombie... Uh, a voodoo scientist is reanimating zombie dinosaurs because he thinks that dinosaurs deserve a second chance. Okay. Um, but Classic. An- another submarine shows up to stop you, and it does this, like, two two things break down. It's like, well, your players could choose to fight the submarine, but if they try that, they will quickly notice that the submarine is twice as big as their ship and has twice as many, twice as deadly guns. Uh. If your players are super smart they'll notice that the heaving or the waterline level of the opponent submarine is lower than the water level of the ship they're on, and they'll run for the shallows where the pirate ship cannot pursue. And you're like, oh, so that's the only way out then? And uh, and it's up to the players to be smart in that they notice the puzzle solution that's printed here and nothing else? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is great. Neither of the ships have the necessary draft level to make it to the island right now. You'll need to hide in the, in the shallow parts of the reef until high tide, and then you'll hope for an advantage over the pirate ship. Ah. And I'm like, let me play the fucking game. <laughs> also, don't send stuff at me that's just, this is an obvious... Well, yeah, if, if you sent something after me, and my choice was, oh, it's a thing, obviously we have to fight it, then yeah, it's a thing we can fight, because mm-hmm. otherwise you were like... Welcome to Dream Park. 
I sent an unbeatable ship at you and it killed you. Hey, at least it's got that video game flair to it. Don't you hate it when you're like in a video game and it doesn't tell you the next fight's one of those ones you're supposed to you're supposed you're to supposed lose. You're supposed to lose and you're like, "Oh, I survived that thing barely. Man, I better start using all my resources." <laughs> That took me 45 minutes because I kept healing through the waves of damage. And they, they, then you finally die and you're like, fuck, this is ridiculous. And then a cutscene starts and you're like, you could have just said. You could have you could have just had the cutscene. You could have skipped to the cutscene and not made me fight a losing battle that didn't tell. I didn't know it was a losing battle. Fucking Lavos. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Pyrrhic victories are trash. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, at least in this, that's a thing they could do. It's a video game environment. They could send a huge rolling ball at you and force you to run away from it. I mean, they could. Yeah. So but this isn't like that example specifically is, yeah, but it's a submarine. I don't care if it has more guns than us. If we hit them directly with a torpedo, fuck that submarine. <laughs> oh, but no, because your ship doesn't even carry guns big enough to damage it. But luckily, you're if you're really good at looking at draft lines... Uh, that's not why I came to Dream Park. I came to Dream Park to have a rad adventure. I mean, it is a rad adventure. There's zombie chronosauruses and elasmosaurs. But first... <laughs> but first, boring part where a guy named Wolf Lancer, captain of the Sea Wolf, threatens you from his obviously superior ship. Uh, I feel like you should just be like, all right, I'll snipe him. Now I have an obviously superior submarine. I'd like to trade that, that in. That I'm is. Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to come back to the game as Aquaman. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> anyway, we've talked for I, I want to say long enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this is this is definitely I want to say one of those games where we we have talked a lot about like mechanics as a thing for the game. Like these mechanics help you realize mm, yeah. the theme of the game and this is one where it's very disconnected from that. <laughs> it, it, it's a shame because the concept is inherently fascinating oh yeah i would love a game set in this same setting mm -hmm. but where the mechanics inform what you're doing rather than we just slapped mechanics on here and didn't care yeah uh the, so yeah the concept of the game is is uh, an amazing uh, but the execution <laughs> Leaves a lot to be desired, and I think that is a problem. But that will lead me to you asking, or to me asking. Yeah, it you will to, lead you lead to me, me asking. <laughs> you asking. Uh, yeah, just, you just came up in therapy. <laughs> uh, John, what was your favorite thing about this game? Uh, my favorite thing about this game is for sure the park. Mm -hmm. The idea behind it, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff in this where I'm like, I would want to have my character go around the park and be like, yeah, I spent ridiculous amounts of money and I've got a week vacation here and I'm staying at different hotels and doing several different games and have this all be an interconnected story that weaves in and out of the dome. And yeah, that'd be awesome. Especially like what, what, what if like a phantom attacked the park and then you needed to seek out the help of Kiss to help you defeat the phantom of the park. Maybe. Would that do you think that, that would be amazing? <laughs> I love Kiss. <laughs> I love Kiss and all their merchandise and their gross political views. Now if only we could get John Cena involved somehow. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. Hang on. Can you go ahead and say that again? Now if only we could get John <laughs> Cena. Do, 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 do. There we go. I think we did it right there now. There we go. Yeah. Uh but yes, I I love the setting of this the park is great mm -hmm. the sort of idea behind it everything's wonderful what about you i like the concept of characters that can re-sleeve for adventures i i 
the game you to to make it work, and I, I really like that conceptually because I'm a fickle person. So the idea that your character is just a whim and that there are certain elements to your character that represent your character, but everything else about them is fluid and changing you and makes sense for the adventure that they're going on today. Uh-huh. I find that very fascinating. Now the game doesn't necessarily hit that point to the, to my satisfaction, but I like the idea. Yes, it is a good idea. So that's, that's going to, that'll be my favorite thing about this. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, least favorite thing in this is definitely the starting point value. Uh, because like we mentioned, oh yeah, it's got a real earn your fun. Well, yeah, so many options are just not even on the table when you start a game of this Mm -hmm. and it, it feels weird to say to your players, this is the conceit that we're doing as far as role-playing. Also, you can't do about 75% of the things you might want to. Yes. I, I, I am behind you on that. I think that you're absolutely right. Uh, and I'm going to I'm basically going to say the same thing, but from a different ex- uh, different direction. Oh, uh, my my least favorite thing about this game is the number of weird restrictions that are added on the role playing level. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah. It's like you can't play a dwarf because our machine won't do it, but you can play a, a giant who shoots lasers and teleports. You're like, well, how does it just, just how make is the- it so much more difficult to make me look short? If you can fly faster than 200 miles an hour, you can't have wings. And listen to this. This is this is there's a section back here called looking for a few good genres, which is just like there's 12 genres that you could potentially set your game in. Uh, here's the one for superhero. And this was the one that made me really mad. Uh, I'm going to skip the description part. This is the rules. The rules. Villains always have superpowers. Okay, the, like okay. Lex Luthor does not have superpowers. Yeah. Okay, villains always have secret hideouts. Okay. Eh, okay. Sort of, All I right. guess, but a lot of them. It's not like Carnage has a secret hideout. <laughs> He's just He just runs around killing stuff. Um, villains always want power. Oh, so you can't do a misunderstood villain, or you like, can't do a Sandman thing where he's just looking out for his daughter? I mean, also, again, Carnage isn't out for power. He just wants to murder people. Yeah. Uh, civilians must be protected at all costs. Okay, so you can't play like Bloodshot or something where they don't give a fuck. Yeah. All right, that's that's fair. So you got to play as like a true blue superhero type. Your secret identity must be kept hidden at all costs. Okay, so now I can't play any of the Avengers. <laughs> uh, it's like you could just put you're a cool. You know what fucking superheroes are. You're a cool superhero and you fight superhero villains and so on. Yeah. It, every one of those restrictions has a counterexample in common popular media. Yeah. The <laughs> It's strange that they would be like, you can play whatever you want as long as it is this specific story. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, do you only have 12 stories? <laughs> you can play any superhero you want as long as they're Superman. And by the way, you can't fucking afford Superman. <laughs> <laughs> you had better have been coming here for years if you want to play Superman. <laughs> so that's going to be, I think, the number of arbitrary role-playing restrictions that have been Im- randomly imposed throughout the course of the book. Uh left me feeling cold for a game that's like oh you can play anything but not all these things yeah so that's that'll be my least favorite thing there you go uh would you play this game god i i feel like i love the idea of it enough that i would give it a shot Mm -hmm. but i will throw the caveat out there that you'd want to be like hey we're gonna play a game of this everyone has like 160 points to start with Mm -hmm. so that way you can 
do something with it. In all the weird little traps that are squirreled throughout the book, like, your players might be stupid and take a psionic power in a place where they can't punish them. And all that's gone. Yeah. All of that, all of that stuff is removed from the book. You can choose your character with full knowledge of what game you're going into. Yeah. You're, you have bought the game. It's not like, oh, yes, I just threw $700,000 at a park and said, surprise me. Yeah. Now, granted, I do find something intriguing about the concept of not knowing where you're going, like the slider's time type yeah. of thing. But but with this thing where your character might be a superhero or a wizard or something, and it's like you don't know what the game is till it turns on, but it's only interesting if you get to keep your powers exactly because the uh the culture clash of a wizard in in, in uh cowboy times or something like that is fun and interesting. Now, I did want to bring this up. There is another sidebar that comes up a lot in this book, which mm-hmm. is never mash your genres together yeah that's and i was like that's a real weird take to have where they're like you should never be in a place where like conan is fighting a guy with a laser gun mm-hmm. like but you just described a cool thing why <laughs> and they keep making the point that for the simplicity of game balance a conan sword does the same damage as a laser sword and so on and in fact at the beginning of the gear section it's like by the way there's only like three kinds of laser gun because yeah, this game's for simplicity and like, then you open up the section and no there's like 30 no because they i mean in the game they're like oh yeah there's one type of gun mm-hmm. base and then we just put doodads on it to make it look like other things mm-hmm. and no matter what it does relatively the same damage mm-hmm. and that idea would be great because yeah. then you'd go what is this uh my bow and arrow from the robin hood times is the exact same as you shooting a laser gun it doesn't matter we're both just ranged weapons who gives a shit yeah but this kind of fear that you might smash the genres i i don't know if that's maybe a, an old-fashioned thing because nowadays genre smashing in itself is a genre well yeah and the fact that even within that they're like except you made a pirate zombie dinosaur game mm-hmm. like one of your sample adventures is smashing shit together <laughs> yeah i mean it, it feels like they just sort of missed their own mark now now to be fair to pawn smith and the other people behind the design of this game they're terrible and i hate them no they're pawn smith's a good designer it's because um because they don't know what they're doing it's because they're basing it on a book i know on a series of books and so they have to follow the the rules of that series of books and presumably at some point nevin and niven and barnes were like ah no culture genre clashes that's like crossing the streams it'll kill everybody why having arabian nights and gulliver's travels together preposterous <laughs> unthinkable <laughs> macavity <laughs> ineffable <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, I I don't know. I feel like with a couple of quick changes, a lot more character points, and some un, some verbal understandings uh, in the party that you're playing, this could be a playable game. And I would say oh, that yeah. I play it in those situations. I mean, this is one of the games, the very few that we've reviewed. That I'm like, if someone came out and said, "Yo, I made a second edition of this with a modern understanding of what you should do," mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Fuck yes, that sounds rad." Yeah. I wanted to see who the authors of the original book were, uh, so I looked it up. I knew it was Niven I, that yeah. much because of the Kazinti reference and so on. I didn't know about Barnes, so I looked it up, and I found out something very, very interesting in just the first paragraph. I stopped there because I do no research. Yes. Um, but what I did learn is that at some point around 1990, a conglomerate was formed, a business, uh, that had the intent of building Dream Park. Wow. Like They really like, we're going to try and recreate as many of the aspects of Dream Park as possible in a real amusement park. 
And as I'm sure you can imagine, it rapidly went under because it was stupid. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that was a thing that I don't know who was behind it, but apparently it actually happened. Some company was like, yeah, Dream Park's a great idea. We'll make a Dream Park. Okay. I'm sure that when they lost all that money, they were quietly bought by uh, Steven Spielberg, who went on to make Ready Player One. <laughs> uh, which feels even more like a ripoff after reading this. Yay. So anyway, there you have it, folks. That has been Dream Park. Uh an interesting game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we both said we play it with some caveats, and that's how that works. Yeah, now, we are going to do a little bit more with the game if you're mm. not quite satisfied. Mm, yes. <laughs> mm. Should your taste be more unconventional? <laughs> Actually, if your taste should run more towards giving us a dollar. <laughs> then you can go to, to patreon.com. And you can give us a dollar, and you can hear us make characters in this and really dive into the character creation process and how restrictive it really is to try and make someone. Uh-huh, because we're going to make 20-point characters, and <laughs> you'll see for yourself what you can actually start the game with. Yep. Uh, so, so that's done by going to patreon.com slash systemmastery and supporting us, as John has mentioned, at the $1 level. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, otherwise, we have a book in stores you should buy. It's called A Dragon Walks Into a Bar, and you should buy it if you don't like yourself or whoever you plan to give it to as a gift. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And, of course... It's cheap, but it helps us. We've got plenty of other content on Patreon. We've got plenty of stuff on our website, SystemMasterPodcast.com. We are also... This is a little early to start talking about it, but we're both excited about a a friend's project that will be going live in a couple of days. Yep. Uh, Descent Into Midnight, a game that we have played with friends uh, and is made by is made by friends. It's going to be a Kickstarter game. It's a PBTA where you play as deep sea creatures. It's very interesting and mm-hmm. very unique. It's cool. I enjoyed it a very great deal when I played it the one time. So we're going to be doing a, like an official push to help them with that pretty soon. Here, I'm just st- starting to prime the pumps. Well, yeah, just you know, keep hey, your eyes hey, it's open. It's cool, and they're yeah, cool. They're cool people making cool games. So thank you so much for joining us. We loved having you here. Mm-hmm. But it's time for you to go. Get the fuck out. But before we go, let's remember all the things we did today. (laughs) Yo, Gabba Gabba! Uh, Can we dance? (laughs) I'll break it down! (laughs) 